Orange on KUCI 88.9 FM. I am Ellen Bell, and I thank you for joining me this afternoon. Today we're going to be talking about a place that is very familiar, a very familiar part of the Orange County landscape. You've seen these structures as you've approached John Wayne Airport for landing. Uh, I'm sure you might have seen them as you were shopping at the Costco at the district in Tustin. And of course, I'm talking about the two blimp hangars that um, have been part of the Orange County landscape since 1943 when they were completed. Um, They were part of the Naval Air Station lighter than air base Santa Ana and uh, they were part of the World War II war effort here and not only are they a very familiar and iconic part uh, landmarks to us but they are an important part of Orange County history and so to help me tell you the story of them I have my friend Guy Ball who is a uh, local historian and author he has written uh, a couple books about Santa Ana for Arcadia Publishing as well as a book about Tustin He is a board member of the Tustin Area Historical Society, and he is an expert on all things Tustin history and, of course, the lighter-than-air base there in the Blimp Hangars. Well, thank you, Guy, for being with me today on Vintage Orange. I appreciate your time. You're welcome. And uh, let's get started talking about the the LTA base, as it was. Um, Those those large buildings there in Tustin, Mm -hmm. tell me about those structures that we see. Well, there's two um, essentially blimp hangers. They were built as blimp hangers. They were built um, soon after, um, well, right in about 1942, uh, they were started. They were a result of the Japanese attack at Pearl Harbor. Mm-hmm. And it was a concern about um, Japanese submarines coming along the West Coast. There actually were um, other blimp hangers built in other parts of the country. Uh, Moffett Field had two of them. There was one up in Oregon. So uh, we weren't alone. Um, but So they kind of stationed, uh, they positioned these uh, blimp hangers in different places. The thought of having blimp hangers, the benefit to blimp hangers, was that you could put up a blimp for a longer period of time um, and it could move slowly as opposed to a plane that was limited by fuel and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You could put a blimp hanger up for a day or so and uh, or quite a bit quite a bit more time, and they could kind of position themselves over certain areas that were they were suspicious of and spend a little more time there. Um, the one in Tustin, the two in Tustin, um, actually they had thought about this um, in the 1920s. They had thought about putting blimp hangers, uh, setting up blimp hangers, and um, at the time, the rear admiral who was in charge of the, the whole program, actually Admiral Moffat, mm-hmm. um, had talked to James Irvine, and he said, you know, this would be a great place to do it. Can we do it? And Irvine said, no, no, thank you. You know, I want to build farm. You know, I have farms. I have right. stuff going on there, and I want to use the land for, because um, it was great farmland, great agricultural land. Either he grew stuff on it or he leased it out to people. And he said, no, I don't want to sell it. So Moffat, at that point, the, the, the advantage was Moffat moved up to Northern California and up near Sunnyvale and Santa Clara, and that's uh, Moffat Airfield, mm-hmm. and that's, he built them there. Um, once World War II hit, uh, there was more, it was more urgent to get them. So he came down. James Irvine wasn't really happy about losing land for both that and for El Toro because it was kind of at the same time. Right. And he ended up, um, you know, semi-reluctantly, you know, selling the land to them. Actually, there were a couple of the landholders in Tustin um, that um, were also 
paid for the land. Um, so that's why you have the two bases there. It was just a good location to have them. Um, it took, um, amazingly, it took just about nine months to build the first hangar and just uh, about another six months or so to get the other one up and running completely. Well, let's talk about that. So we're, we're in... Pearl Harbor has just happened, and mm-hmm. so the country is definitely anxious and wanting to move along quickly with this. And this is a story about these blimp hangers that just fascinates me is their construction. Um, tell me a little bit about, first of all, what they were made of and how they were built, but they were built so quickly. I mean, for these mammoth you know, structures, how fast that they went up. Tell me a little bit about that. Sure. Uh, well, the, the steel was a premium. Um, the use of metal... Um, was really went towards planes and military vehicles and mm-hmm. tanks and that sort of thing. So they had to construct these out of wood, all the new ones being built at that time. Um, the focus was to make it an all-wood structure. I mean, it's still to this day, um, these blimp hangers are some of the world's largest all-wood, well, largest wood structures. There, there is some metal in it. Um, so they were, um, it took a, a it took some very special construction. They used a truss system for the uh, because these things are very heavy. Mm-hmm. They're very tall. They're um, you know essentially the size of a you know a 17-story building. Uh, the height, the total height. Um, they're about three football fields long and one football field wide. So there's wow. a lot of weight there. Yeah. And so they built this truss system. Um, it's um, primarily out of wood. What they did was they they could get the wood. Um, um, semi-locally, Oregon, that mm-hmm. area. It was specially treated because one of the fears is um, with with a wood structure, it could go up in flames very quickly. So all of the structure, all the wood was treated very heavily. Uh, in fact, that's one of the problems today. Right. If you try to demolish it, now you have all sorts of environmental things yes. to deal with. Um, and the way they built it was kind of cool because they, they actually did it in... Uh, they had a, like a train track set up, and they would have the they would build um, one part at a time, and it would lengthen. So this thing, if you imagine, you know, like a big tube that was being built, um, not as one big building, but just you know, um, 10, 20, 30 feet at a time. Then they'd go to the next section, the next section, and so they finally constructed the whole building, and it was more efficient. Uh, to do it that way, hmm. and it was it helped to be very quick. They, uh, like I said, to do that in nine months. Now they had anywhere from seven hundred to a thousand workers at any one time. Um, amazingly, they out of all the amount of, of all the work they did, they only had one uh, workman fatality yeah. in, in all that time as well, which was pretty astounding. They tried really hard to keep the. Um, you know, any kind of injuries and stuff. So did they have any trouble with them at all as far as um, things like wind or fire, yeah. anything like that happening? They, they had uh, one of one of the, kind of the worst accident, not not people accident, but the thing that, that set them back was they had, um, like I said, they were building these, uh, these sections uh, and used a trained kind of rail car to move things forward. Well, they, the workers at one point forgot to uh, lock down the train car at night and they had some heavy-duty winds. The train car moved a little bit, and the whole section of the um, uh, the building actually came down. So they had to redo that at that point. So that was probably the biggest setback. But that was about the only big issue they had 
with all the construction. So that was that was actually pretty good. Truly amazing that that mm-hmm. whole thing, the project went up that quickly. And I think um, most people probably would be surprised to realize that those are wood structures because yeah. when you see them today, they just they look like they're cement. And mm-hmm. I know there's you know some steel construction things, but they do. They have that appearance of being large kind of cement structures and not not all wooden, which they they primarily right. are. Well, and especially the when you look at the doors, they have the the, the two huge doors on mm-hmm. each side. And that that is a, a concrete um, frame that they have there that you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, so at, at first glance, you look at that and you think, yeah, like you said, you know, so much of it is concrete or, you know, has some steel, has a lot of substance to it. And it was just very well designed. Um, you know, a very well-designed wood structure. Yeah, it's really something. And I've had the the benefit of being able to go inside um, one of the hangars, and just kind of the massive amount of space inside there is yeah. really something else. And that's when you can really see where all the wood construction is, and it's it's pretty cool to see. So, so this base, the purpose of it, as you mentioned, it was you know they wanted blimps because they could do longer periods of surveillance on the coast, and you know post world uh, post Pearl Harbor day. They're very concerned about invasion on the West Coast. And so these blimps that they had um, were primarily a sur- surveillance blimps. Is that right? Um, they were for the most part, but they did uh, later on develop things where they could drop bombs mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, they, they actually didn't need um, to use those uh, throughout, throughout the, uh, the, the war as it worked out. Uh, there were a couple kind of... I don't want to say false alarms. There were a couple mm-hmm. things uh, on patrols that they were a little concerned about. But initially it was just to, to, to watch. But, of to course, patrol. It's, uh, patrol. And and as time went on, they said, okay, we're going to, if we see something, we want to drop something. So they did <laughs> develop, you know, uh, some bombs and some other things. Right. Uh, and were they, were they looking primarily for submarines? Is that what it was? Or just all kinds, any sort of threat, I suppose? Well, any threat. One of the things that they did a lot of, too, was as, Ships were leaving San Pedro and, and some of the um, leaving the area. They would actually uh, perform a uh, kind of they, they'd accompany them out just to make sure everything was going smooth. Okay. They didn't see any submarines and stuff like that. Um, I don't think they were as worried as you know Japanese battleships because of the distance, but um, they definitely wanted to protect the ships that were leaving, particularly the ones that had. Um, any kind of ammo or men or that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so it was in operation throughout World War II and um, known as the the LTA or Lighter Than Air Base. And when when did that transition happen? Were they done with it? When were they completed with that? They, um, uh, they about 1949, they mm-hmm. decommissioned it. Um, they really didn't need it any longer. Um, they uh, they kept it for a long time. They were they were doing different things. They also used it as a they could land small planes on the on the field. Um, helicopters weren't in big use at that point, mm-hmm. so there wasn't wasn't a big purpose. So in '49, they they decommissioned it. Well, a couple years later, um, the Korean War started up, and they actually reactivated mm-hmm. the um, the hangars and they used it as a uh, supply refueling. They also kind of shifted a little more towards helicopters at that point. Okay. Um, so from from that point, they actually used it continuously until, um, you know, 
couple years ago when they when they decided to decommission the whole base. Right, and I remember I, I moved to Irvine in the late 80s, and uh, very much re- I lived kind of on the northern side there by Woodbridge over there, and I remember those helicopters very clearly. That was part of uh, yes. you know life in, yes. in that part of Irvine. And so from 51 until then, um, when it was finally decommissioned, this was, it was the Marine Corps was yes. in charge? Yes, uh, the Marine took over it. Of course, the Marine and Navy always have—they always have a, a close relationship. The mm-hmm. Marines are part of the Navy, um, but the Marines, um, what they did—they uh, did a lot more of the helicopters and a lot of the attack. Actually, the, at one point, the um, the base became the Western Regional um, Helicopter f- main facility for that. So that was their main headquarters for anything that had to do with choppers and that sort of thing. Uh, they did pilot training and mm-hmm. um, whatever, and that's that's why you always had, you know, being also from that time period around here, you had a lot of hel- military helicopters all the time, and it just it, it's kind of weird now that every once in a while when you hear a military helicopter, yeah. it brings you back memories of. Oh, I remember those things. (laughs) Yeah, when we heard that all the time. Yeah, so it was they were doing a lot of training over there then. Yes, the um, and then with Vietnam, uh, when Vietnam picked up, um, there was a lot of activity back and forth uh, with that. They um, uh, it kind of quieted down, and then all of a sudden, uh, actually Operation Desert Storm, I think, was the last big battle Mm -hmm. where they did uh, Kuwait and Iraq and that sort of thing. Were they using the hangars for storage of the helicopters, or what were the hangars being used for at that time? Um, storage of helicopters, repair. Um, okay. In a lot of cases, they kept the helicopters out, um, but they did a lot of the repair and a lot of the work inside. Uh, it's kind of fun to go into the um, into the hangars where you can see the different logos of different groups, tactical groups and whatnot, and um, some of the maintenance facilities that they have there, the buildings and stuff. Most of that's been cleared out, but I remember before they closed it down in, um, I think, 1999, um, they actually had, um, I think I remember, a car race through it at one point. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was fun, and they had a base show, so that was kind of fun. We, we, we got to see that. So the park was closed, or the, the base was closed in 1999, and so what has been happening there since? Um, some really cool stuff, actually. Um, uh, they, uh, the Navy still owns it and controls it. Okay. Um, eventually, they're they're kind of giving the material, you know, all the land and whatnot. Everything's being divvied up to the uh, city of Tustin and others. Um, until they fully convey the uh, the buildings to the county and, and Tustin, um, Hangar One, which is the North Hangar, mm-hmm. um, was used for various movies, um, the first, well, the 2009 Star Trek, um, the Starfleet Academy, where, hmm. where all the planes were set up, that was actually filmed in there. Uh, there was a Pearl Harbor, there were bits and pieces from Austin Powers and a couple <laughs> TV shows, and, and I, it was funny because I was watching an Audi commercial a couple years back, and I said, you know, that looks familiar where it was being filmed. Sure enough, it was filmed. Yeah, in, in I think the, I know which one you mean because it's <laughs> it, it, it a lot thing. of fun. They they also used uh, the building a lot for uh, repairs and retrofits for uh, blimps of commercial companies. Oh, um, okay. Goodyear used it quite a bit. Um, I remember I worked for Ameriquest at one point, and they were actually redoing the skin on the Ameriquest uh, blimp in there. And at the same time, it had a Goodyear blimp, 
the AmeriQuest, and I think it had one or two others from other places. Well, that's that what's hard. To, how many blimps can fit in there at one time? I mean, you, how many do they have? They've had um, as many as seven. There wow. are pictures that show seven. These are the, the big ones, the yeah. 50 foot. Um, and these are side by side. Um, in the case of when I was looking at it, they, I think they had three, you know, one in front of the other, sort of three or four that way. They're just uh, and they were smaller, but yeah, you could fit a, quite a few. Oh in no, they're just massive. And so now, what's what's going on with the the Tustin Blimpanger Space Area today? I know the district has been developed, that shopping mm-hmm. retail area, and there's uh, you know home development, the legacy Tustin Legacy. Um, how does that all fit together today with the blimp Well, it, it's kind of an interesting mix. The, uh, I remember um, probably about five, six, maybe seven years ago, um, I went on a tour of the, the, the county, what will be the county hangar, mm-hmm. uh, which is the north one, mm-hmm. um, which is for a little further away from the district. And um, the mayor, the, one of the councilmen of Tustin at the time, was talking about that this was going to the county and that the the city of Tustin one, which is the south one, which is closer to, say, Costco, mm-hmm. um, that one was in poor shape and they were going to demo it. They had to demo it. It was too expensive otherwise. And so the thought was, okay, one's going down and one's going to stay up. And at the time, a number of us thought we'd like to try to keep them both going. Mm-hmm. Um, but, boy, the, the city was kind of dead set against it um, for a number of reasons. Um, some good and some not so good. Um, and so, but what ended up happening a couple years later is the county has embraced their hangar as part of a regional park. Um, they've actually had in, in 2013, before something happened, um, 2013 they actually had um, hearings, public mm-hmm. hearings, where they brought in locals from the residents and from Tustin and from the immediate area, because like you said, they're building a lot of residential area, mm-hmm. housing in the area, and said, look, we want to build a park here, and it's going to be a big park, and we're going to keep the hangar. Uh, we can use it. We're not sure what we're going to do with it, you know, because we're still kind of looking at that. <clears throat> but there, you know, we could use it as a um, celebration place. We could, you know, we could have um, various events go on there. Um, you know, we're not really sure what, right. but, you know, talk to us about it. So uh, they came up, they had a lot of good ideas, uh, and there was a lot of interest in saving it. And I think at that point, a, a new city, by uh, you know, the, the, the politicians in Tustin, the councilmen all of a sudden started rethinking them, themselves what they could do. And so the city of Tustin is more inclined to save their hangar now which is a real plus. And that's the one, the south hangar. Correct. Is that the one closest to Costco in the district? Correct. Um, and so that, that's a real plus. I'll, yeah. I'll mention that in a second. What happened with the, with the county's hangar, now, again, it's still, they're still uh, technically run by the Navy, um, but unfortunately they had a windstorm, and uh, this was October of 2013, and part of the roof fell down. Mm-hmm. And the biggest fear that um, both the city and the county have is that there are structural issues with the buildings. Because the last thing they want to do is they, they, they don't want to, you know, take on the building and say, hey, okay, we're going to do something with it and have pieces fall down. Right. And, you know, there, there's a big concern with earthquake uh, prevention. Mm-hmm. Um, while this thing has survived all sorts of, you know, little earthquakes, 
It doesn't have the full earthquake protection that the modern-day structures would require. Mm -hmm. There's modern-day codes. Uh, in fact, one of the things when they opened the, when they had the uh, public um, meetings, uh, one of the problems was that the there was not an exit within. There's a certain limit. The fire marshal says you you the code says you have to be X distance from a from an exit, and because this building is so wide, there weren't enough exits to you know, to provide that code. So that's going to be a big issue. I mm -hmm. mean, if you're in the middle of that hangar, um, whatever that, that limit is per code, you don't have it. So right. I, don't, I don't know how they're going to handle that one. Um, there's a lot of issues with, um, you know, the structural integrity of it and whatnot. Uh, but anyway, so once the, once the ceiling fell, then all of a sudden now they're starting to worry, okay, if that fell during during um you know, an event kind of or something, yeah. Yeah, what what are we going to do, you know, overall? So they're looking at um, the Navy went in and supposedly repaired the roof, but I still see the little support structures that are there. So I don't know if they're just leaving them there for now. Um, the county is kind of in the midst of rethinking and looking at uh, doing kind of structural analysis of it. Uh, the city of Tustin, on the other hand, went back into their their blimp hanger and said, you know, this is really isn't that bad. In fact, they've <laughs> opened it up to events. And really? Kind of oh, I didn't know that. That is, that's, that's the best part, because what's happened is the city of Tustin is now kind of embracing, say, you know, maybe we do want to keep it. And they're actually, the city of Tustin is in process of doing a uh, structural integrity analysis. Um, they're not really sure when it will be done, whether it'll be three months, six months, whatever. But I, they're looking at that, and they're also looking at the cost of some of the other issues they may have. Um, Google, the Moffett Field, uh, Google has um, signed a contract with the Navy, and they're, they're going to retrofit both hangars, and they're going to use it for their own facilities for some research stuff. And they're estimating it's going to cost $40 million to refurbish. And the estimate that I had heard couple years back was just to earthquake proof and do some of the things to bring it to code you're probably talking 10 to 15 million dollars right and that's a lot of that's tax a lot dollars. for a city to take on exactly yeah mm -hmm. yeah and the reason the county is starting to think about that or was starting to think about that was because things have gotten better the economy's gotten better so mm -hmm. they have a little more ability to build the regional park they have this great opportunity with the land and with the structure so they're really considering you know hey yeah, it's a good idea um, City of Tustin, I'm hoping, doesn't see the same kind of issues. Right. And maybe they're more inclined. Both the county and the Tustin a while back were looking at, can we get a commercial venture to come in? And they, they entertained it. They, they, there were a couple people who said, oh, yeah, we'd love to build an indoor ski resort or you know, a variety <laughs> of things. Which were, but none of them panned out. Everybody had some great ideas. Nobody did it. You know, nobody really came up with a... Um, well, they are challenging. I mean, it's they're not just mm -hmm. your typical big spaces. They That's they true. come with a lot of little um, eccentricities and um, little details that need to be cared for mm -hmm. that you've mentioned. And so it's it's not just as simple as throwing some new paint up and um, you know making sure that the right. the plumbing's working. I mean, you there's a bet. lot to consider. You and bet. so you'd say that the status really of both of the the blimp hangers right now is they're both kind of being evaluated and um, the hope being that they can be preserved and enjoyed by the public but they're right now kind of still in a sort of a limbo status yes yes and 
that's uh, it, in a way it's a little frustrating um, because for those of us who want to see these saved, because you're not sure if um, you know if it takes them another year or two to mm-hmm. kind of start working on a decision where that decision is going to go. Um, the the whole idea of the county coming up with a regional park kind of took us by surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thrilled, and we were thrilled by it, but it was like, wow, you know. And and so you don't know which direction sometimes the you know the government goes because they they talk about it and they mull it over and they look at the pluses and minuses. And about by the time we hear about it, very often it's a little too late. Um, one of the things that I'm encouraging people to do at this point is to you know just drop a line to the um, the county supervisors or the county uh, or the city of Tustin, either the mayor, council, or, or the uh, city manager, and say, hey, just want to tell you we're, we'd be thrilled to have this saved and, you know, please keep us in the loop. And, you know, just to show support for that, because I think during periods when nobody's thinking about it, there's no, they, they don't get the people, the, the, the politicians and the city officials, don't, and city and county officials don't get the feedback from the populace. Hey, this would be a good idea. Right. Um, and I, I think that's excellent. An excellent point. I think. And I was that was going to be my next question: is how can people who who are interested in historic preservation um, let that opinion be heard? And so you're suggesting contacting the the councils and the mm-hmm. the, the county parks. Would that be the regional county parks? Um, um, yeah, it, it would be the OC parks. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be one. I would also push it to the their supervisors, mm-hmm. um, either directly individually or even you can. In you can actually go through the main county clerk and they kind of distribute it out. Um, but definitely just to say, hey, you know, thank you. We like the idea. Please keep it keep up. Keep it up, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I, it's one of those things that if people, I could just, unfortunately this will happen, whereas where um, no one will know that something's even in peril or endangered mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, you know, you see construction crews coming in to tear something <laughs> down and you're like, wait a minute, I never had a chance. I didn't want that right. to happen. And so I think it is best to be proactive. And I, 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 I agree with you. I love the fact that there is interest from county and city officials and um, that their hearts are in the right place. But this is not just an easy thing to do. And I no, think it, no. they need to understand that the population and the community, and they are, they're just there's such a I mean every time you fly into John Wayne that's how you know you're about to land you know it's like they're there they're such a big part landmarks in Orange County that um, and and an important part of they tell the story of of this place and right especially with El Toro kind of going you know going a different route Mm -hmm. Um, these are so big and they're such iconic representations of the military presence in Orange County Uh, Mm -hmm. there's not that much which was a yeah. very important part of Orange County's development yes. was the military yes. presence here. I mean, so, so many, so many people I talked to have, you know, oh, I served and you went in the service, and you know, I, I served here, you know, for a brief time, and I decided I want to come back. And um, I've I travel for work, and very often I'm, I'm at a military base. Every once in a while, I talk to somebody who said, "Yeah, I served in Tustin," and I, you know, it blows me away that I can I can actually. Somebody somewhere knows where Tustin is, and I'm <laughs> on, on the other side of the country, or in Podunk, you know, little little towns. But um, you know, they it, it's we need to keep that. We need Absolutely. to keep that. And it, it, these are great, um, like I said, icons of, of visual reminders, um, particularly for the future. I mean, everything we do now 
Um, some of it's for today, but uh, so much of it is for 30, 40, 50 years from now. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at some of the old houses that were saved and uh, you know, the older the Victorian style and the stuff that was built in the 1800s and 1900s. And not a lot during the last maybe 40, 50, 60 years is stuff that we care to save at this point. Mm-hmm. And, but these things are so in your face, you see them, you know them, and right. they're good reminders of what Orange County used to be. Um, I, I think it'd be a real shame if we lost them. I agree. They are part of our heritage, and I think it's it's very important. It would be one of those things, like like you said, if once they were gone, people would miss them terribly. So mm-hmm. so let's keep up the uh, the fight, and uh, I think it's definitely good to keep the awareness there. And and thank you for sharing the history of them. Oh, I think there's welcome. I'm sure there are a lot of people that they know they know them. They maybe even know that they were blimp hangers, but they don't know all the details. And certainly, a question I get asked all the time is, what's going on with them now? Right, so, right. Um, well, thanks. and and I would any of your listeners that um, are interested over on the uh, TustinHistory.com mm-hmm. website, which is the, the Tustin Historical Society, but TustinHistory.com, uh, we have a lot of older fi- pictures and we have a lot of newer pictures. I've had the opportunity to go in a couple times, and so I've documented what's there. Um, you know, the various they still have a lot of. Um, drawings and stuff on the walls and some of the outbuildings and stuff. So if people are interested because they can't get over to mm-hmm, see it, mm-hmm. uh, if they go to the TustinHistory.com site, uh, we do have pages that show that include a lot of photos. That's an excellent resource. Thank you, Guy. And thank you for being with me today oh, on thank Vintage Orange. And, uh, and I will talk with you soon. Great. Thanks. Bye-bye. Yes, thank you to Guy Ball from the Tustin Area Historical Society. And if you'd like some more information, be sure to check out. He has an excellent website that they've created there, um, the Tustin Historic, um, Historical Society website. And uh, great pictures um, of the base and just actually a lot of things around Tustin. Um, I will have the links to that on my website, uh, www.vintageorangekuci.blogspot.com. Uh, you can also find links at KUCI.org, as well as podcasts for this program or a lot of other ones that we've done about Orange County history. So thank you so much for joining me again. uh, I look forward to checking up with you next week, next Wednesday at 4 p.m. when we'll be tackling another Orange County history subject. And so until then, get out there and learn a little more about the place where you live.